Christmas child, if you've never been a part of that, it's something that's pretty cool. And as you see, it goes around the world. And they bring the, the gospel of Jesus Christ and some gifts as well. So it's a, an awesome thing. And just so you guys know what we're doing here, something a little different than what we've done in the past, we've actually been collecting. You might have seen this little uh, collection box out there. But we've been collecting throughout the year for this. And so this coming Friday, everyone's invited here at 6 <clears throat> Well, I was going to be here at 6. Everybody else going to be here at 6.30. I could have some chili, you know, sit back, relax a little bit. Uh, we're going to do a packing party and chili cook-off. We're going to combine two things. It's always good to do something nice and eat food, so that's what we're going to be doing. Um, so 6 o'clock, Friday night, everyone's invited. Come back here, and we're going to pack those boxes. We have somewhere close to 100 already. Um, but we also realize that some of you guys haven't been able to be a part of that, or you want to go over and above what you've already done. And so we have boxes out, uh, a few boxes out now, but we have some others, so if those run out, just talk to the ladies at the Information Center, and uh, they'll grab you some more, and we'll have some more out. But, um, and then at the end of November, you'll be hearing about this. We'll collect them all and take them down to Fremont, and then they ship them off to wherever they're going to, part of the country they're going to be shipping them off. And I guess you can track yours if you'd like, and all that kind of stuff, so it's pretty cool. We've had some neat things happening here, and I want to hit those things before we get into our message, because uh, they all relate back to what we're uh, doing, and especially in this uh, series, Why I Believe. But, um, so Friday night, we had the ladies spa night, and I got my hair done. <laughs> I was just, oh, it was, it was a mess, people. And um, I was just thanking the Lord for people who can handle those things. Uh, no, I wasn't here, but there's, uh, I think, 87 ladies who showed up and um, there was one individual who gave their life to the Lord that night, and so that's an exciting thing. And so, yes, yeah, thank the Lord for that. And uh, so that was a spa night. Um, we've got baptism coming up, and there's a potential that I know of, anyways, of maybe about nine people. So far, we have seven people confirmed uh, that they're going to be baptized. And again, baptism, just as a reminder, it's not something we do for salvation. It's not something that we do in order to ensure our salvation. Jesus Christ is the one who saves us. And then we demonstrate that. We show people, we proclaim it publicly by being baptized. And it happens right under here. There's a baptismal down there, uh, which is kind of unusual. And so we do a cannonball, slam in, and um, <laughs> that's how I enter, actually. Uh, so we've got some people lined up for that. Next Sunday and on the 10th, we're going to be doing that, so make sure you're back here for that. Celebrate that with us. And if you've recently accepted Christ, and maybe I didn't know it, um, this would be a great opportunity, your first step of obedience, and uh, demonstrate that and show other people what God's done in your life. And we've had some other cool things uh, happening, too. Um, I can't get into all of them right now, otherwise we, uh, well, we won't be able to get to my message. And you guys know, I get paid by the word, right? So I've got to make sure... They only work 35 minutes um, a week. I can get this stuff done. Anyways, so we've been in a series called Why Believe. We're finishing up today. And uh, I feel like I'm really hot on the soundboard. Is Logan bad? Is, yeah, do I sound okay? I feel like I'm really hot for some reason. When I say hot, I mean not looking good. I mean, like, thank you. <laughs> well, it was my hair from spa night. <laughs> Um, anyways, and I did my fingers, and we're never going to get done. If it's your first time here today, I'm really, I apologize. Um, we're not normally like this. We're very serious about our faith. Anyways, 
Um, so we've been in a series, Why I Believe, answering some basic questions people have as to why should I believe in Jesus Christ? Why should I place my faith and give my life to him? And so we've done this for a series a week, and this is week five. And so today we're going to look at uh, the answer of, because God answers things that science can't. All right? So uh, we're going to jump right into it. How many of you guys have, would say you have a question about life, about your life, about life in general, that science doesn't seem to address, or at least it hasn't been able to address it, answer it for you. Anybody have those kind of questions? Nobody. You guys are all good. Put them up nice and high. I'm kind of blind up here. So, all right. So a few of you, you have questions that, okay, I'm not sure if science can answer this question or not. Uh, and so this would be good. I'm not going to be able to get into specific ones, but um, what I want to do is I want to look at the fact of why is it that they, why science can't explain everything, why do people want science to explain everything, and then why is the Bible needed, um, why we want to be a part of that. So, first of all, why science can't explain everything. It's kind, of, it's kind of basic stuff here. First of all, the reason why science can't answer everything is because it's not designed to answer everything. Science deals with finding out information, finding out knowledge, based on what someone can see or replicate. So you have your scientists, and they have their labs, and they think they know something's true, but until they can actually prove it scientifically by running it through different tests and, and making sure those tests happen on a consistent basis, it's really not known. And so when it's not known, we call it a theory. And so there's a lot of theories in science, a lot of Another word for that would be belief or faith, that a scientist believes something to be true, but if he can't prove it scientifically using scientific method, then it remains a theory, it remains a possibility, it remains a, I don't know, but maybe. Okay? So science is designed to, um, to, to confirm what we think might be true, but they have to confirm it by actually seeing it, observing it, making it happen. So again, evolution, people believe evolution is, is true. You were taught in school that it was a fact, right? It's not a fact. Nobody was there to see it when it happened, okay, 13-some billion years ago. I don't think any of you guys were alive then. You all look pretty young to me. So nobody was there. Nobody could see it. So it's a theory. It's a, it's a we think. So it could be that there was a God who created it. Now, we as Christians can't prove that scientifically, but, again, we weren't there, but it's a theory, it's a belief, it's, it's looking at things and trying to determine from that. So, Christians aren't saying we don't believe in, in science. And, again, we'll, we'll be told, or you'll be told that, well, you know, those Christians, they just believe in the Bible, and the Bible and the science don't go together. Well, that's wrong. <laughs> One, we do believe in science. And as long as science can adequately show us what happens... In our world, we're all for it. Amen. Good stuff. Love it. But if they can't prove it, or if they're saying they prove it, but the evidence doesn't make sense, then we say, as Christians, well, there's got to be something more than that. Some people call this naturalism plus. They'll say, well, Christians, you're narrow-minded. It's just the Bible. It's just God. No, we're not saying that. It's science. And then when we can't explain it by science, or if science explanation doesn't make sense according to the evidence, 
then we say, we broaden our minds, as opposed to science, and we say, there has to be something else involved here. So actually, if you want to be technically, they're the narrow-minded ones, we're not. But we're not in that debate. We're just saying, we, we like science. We think science is important. We want science to be able to explain everything that we see, but it, it can't. And if you're into the whole evolution creation thing, um, and if you're not researching what Christian scientists are saying in researching, if you're only, you know, PBS is your thing, you know, NOVA is your thing, and um, uh, just regular media is your thing, I'm telling you, you're not getting the full understanding of what science would say. And if you're basing it on, well, the consensus of science says, there was a consensus that the earth was flat at one time. Okay? So the consensus was, earth's flat, don't walk off the edge. But then as things progressed, and as science progressed, and as I was watching a thing on hot air balloons, and as hot air balloons were in place, and people were getting up higher and higher, they actually saw an arc in the earth, you know? And so, yeah, consensus can tell us a lot, but if it's wrong, it's wrong. Um, in fact, here's a, a quote uh, by, oh, I actually turned blue, sorry about that. But Amir Azil, as I guess is how you say it. So this, is a, a not, this, is, this guy is not a Christian, okay? He believes in evolution. But even evolutionists now are going, hmm. So it's long, stick with me, I'll try to read it. Why did everything we need, so this is this guy quoting in a, a Time Magazine website um, editorial that he did. Why did everything we need in order to exist come into being? Right? That's a big question of life, right? Why? Why did that happen? How was all this possible without some latent outside power to orchestrate the precise dance of elementary particles required for the creation of all the essentials of life? Again, if you're into, into science and into all this, our world is incredibly... Um, Specific. Certain things have to be going on. Our, our earth has to spin at a certain speed, has to tilt at a certain degree, otherwise we'd be crushed, float off the earth. I mean, there's just, like, within a little bit of a degree. The great British mathematician Roger Penrose, I mean, we all know Rog, right? <laughs> you know, he's awesome. I just, anyways has calculated based on only one of the hundreds of parameters of physical universe that the probability of the emergence of life-giving cosmos was, here it goes, 1 divided by 10 raised to the power of 10 and again raised to the power of 123. I have no clue what that means. <laughs> but it sounds bad for evolution. That's all I'm saying. Hagen's over there going, yeah, well, yeah, that number is, you know. So this is a number as close to zero, so the probability of what we see, one thing that's needed for all that we see on this earth, the probability of this to just happen is as close to zero as anyone has ever imagined. The probability is, I love this one, now he brings it back to how I can understand, the probability is much, much smaller than that of winning the Mega Millions jackpot for more days, so days, then the universe has been in existence 13.7 billion years. You can multiply by 365 days to figure out how long. So the, it's more probable that you would win the mega millions every single day for, again, whatever that number is, than if 
one parameter that's needed for what we see in our universe today was met by just happen chance. You will never, this is an evolutionist. This is a guy who believes that evolution is correct. You should read the rest of the article because he's making statements all the time about how wrong the Bible is. But when, you, when scientists who are Christians start investigating based in using the same theories and same testings that secular scientists do, it doesn't make any sense. Well, some may say, well, what about psychology and psychiatry? Those are the deeper sciences. Those are the ones who get to the heart of the matter. Well, sadly, psychiatry, psychology, yes, they are sciences, but they too only deal with symptoms. They're, somebody walks into the office and they're feeling, the person feels depressed. They feel sad. They feel something. Life isn't right. Marriage isn't right. Something's not right in their life. So the psychologist or the psychiatrist then begins to, from what they've studied, by other people's symptoms, what do different medicines do to help the symptom? I'm not saying it's a bad thing to help the symptom. Understand that. But, but what I'm saying is, we can fix the symptom, but the issue is still there. If you have um, the flu... The doctor can give you some medicine so you're not throwing up anymore, but he's not dealing with the flu. You've got to deal with the flu. So as humans, we've got to deal with what's in us. What's the deeper issue? Why is it... I don't want, sometimes I feel like, man, some, I was talking to my kids about this yesterday. Sometimes I think we start getting so into this, our brains are fried... But, so, you know, and again, I've expressed the fact that, you know, I deal with depression from time to time, and, and, and I understand where people are at when they have it. But, if, so if depression, if they understand that depression happens because of certain things, which, by the way, I was just reading again uh, last night, there's a report out that says that doctors, and secular doctors are even saying, they don't think it's a chemi chemical imbalance. So for years, they've been, oh, it's this chemical imbalance, right? It's science, it's biology. Chemical imbalances get that balance right, then you won't be depressed anymore. But more and more doctors, scientists are saying, no, we don't think it's, we don't think it's um, chemical, so therefore this, the medicine isn't really going to help. Because there's, there's a reason why a person is depressed, but there's a deeper reason that if I was an evolution, a process of evolution, I wouldn't care about the things that would make me depressed. That makes sense? Again, maybe getting kind of deep, and I, I blew my brain yesterday on this when I was thinking through it. But let's say, for, like, for me, I, I'll get down because certain things are not happening in certain people's lives. But evolution, survival of the fit, would tell me I don't really care about them. I just want to make sure that I've got what I need. So even if there are people that are in my family, if, if they're not doing what I say, I don't care. Because if we're really going to be evolutionists, we have to be able to say survival of the fit. Well, look out for number one. And when evolutionists start saying, well, you know, love and concern, all kinds of stuff, that's a molecular thing. That everyone goes back, no. It's more than chemicals that makes me want to love somebody and want somebody to love me back. There's something more there than that. 
Um, so sadly, psychiatry and, and, and psychology can't get into the deeper understanding and something only God can do. So, um, so why do people want science to explain everything? So now we're going to get down to the deeper aspect. Why do people want science to explain everything in their lives, including the deep-seated emotional, spiritual things that maybe they're not willing to even express? Well, man wants to be a God of his life. So Genesis 3, um, so this is Genesis 3. We're going to talk a little bit about Genesis 1 a little bit here. But Genesis 3, Adam and Eve, uh, God creates them. They're perfect. God creates them with free will because he loves them, but he wants them to love them back of their own free will. He won't force himself on, him, on them because God forcing himself on people is not love. That's abuse. And so he does, he's a loving God, so he's going to say, hey, I want you to choose me, but they have to be willing to choose him. So he gives them an option. Do life my way. You know, understand that I love you and I care for you. Do life my way. I'm going to provide for you. Or do life your way. So... Satan shows up in the form of, of a serpent. That's why a lot of us don't like snakes, I think. But it says this, The serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die. So God said, If you do that, you're going to die. He means eventually die physically, but die spiritually. You're not going to be able to have a relationship with me. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So here's the deal. They knew good, right? They were perfect. They were in a perfect world. Everything was perfect. They knew good, but they didn't know evil. God knows evil. He's not evil, but he knows evil, but he's God, so he can contain and hold back evil. But when man says, I want to be God, then they're going to know good, and they're going to know evil, and they can't handle evil. You and I cannot handle evil. All right? So when a woman saw... She didn't check with Adam or God. When she saw, when she determined, free choice, that the tree was good for food and that it was delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, again, she's thinking all this stuff. She's not checking with Adam. She's not checking with God. She's saying, yeah, Satan's right. God's withholding something. He's not as good as he says he is. She took from her fruit, ate it, gave it to Adam, her husband. He didn't check with God either. He's saying, I want to make sure I stick with her. Not going to stick with God. He eats of it, and they sin, and that brought about what we call spiritual death. And so, man has always wanted his own will, even when everything was perfect in their world, including themselves. When left to themselves, and when we are left to ourselves, we're going to choose our way of doing it. What we think is the wisest way of dealing with whatever it is that we're going through. And as many of us know from experience, that usually destroys our lives. It doesn't help the situation. And we're all in that boat. Romans 1, God had Paul write this. He said, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all godliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, so it's in us, God's placed it in our hearts that we were created. That's why evolution doesn't make sense to us. Because in the core of who we are still, there's this understanding that God created us. There's something other going on here. 
for God made it evident to them, for since the creation of the world, so as we look at the world around us, His invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, that they were without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculation, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, right? People who don't know the Lord, they, they're wise, man. They, they know life. Scientists know life. They become fools and exchange the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. We look at nature around us and we're like blown away by it. Have you just spent time looking at pictures of nature of the different types of animals that are out there? Wow! How, would you, how in the world do you put those things together? Uh, it's just amazing. All the different things, all the different animals, all the different plants, all the weird things that are out there and the cool things that are out there. Evolutionists, they, they worship creation by, by saying that it was creation who created itself. And then they say, well, uh, humans are the highest form. And so we're going to be able to determine for the rest of the world and for mankind how mankind should be. What have they done? They've elevated themselves to God. Radical environmentalists, same way. We think that they're all about worshiping the plants and the animals and protecting all the plants and animals, but no, what they're doing is we're the only ones who are rational, we're the only ones who understand all this, and so we're, we're the ones who are going to control how everybody impacts the environment. The problem is, they've, they're worshiping those things. They're actually putting man on the same level as, uh, as nature. And this is why we need the Bible. Now, some of you guys are here because you're 100% on board. Yeah, I want to learn more about this. Some of you guys are here and you're thinking, well, yeah, I'm not really sure about this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to test it out. I'm going to check it out and see what this guy has to say about what the Bible has to say about life and all that kind of stuff. Some of you guys are here because, well, you were dragged here and way to go. Glad you're here. Um, hang in there, only a few more minutes, and we'll be done by six tonight. So, so why the Bible? Why do we need the Bible? What does the Bible answer? Now, evolution answers these things too, okay? And I'm not going to address all of these things right now, but here are some of the basic questions that not only science, but also the Bible answers. Our origin, where did we come from? Morality, how should I live? I did a little thing on Facebook, and I asked people to respond you know, to the question, and this is what a lot of people put up. Purpose, why am I here? Value, do I matter? And then destiny, where am I going? What happens when I die? There's a passage in Genesis chapter 1, so go ahead and turn there. Uh, it's Genesis chapter 1, page 1, um, that we're going to be looking at. And uh, Genesis is the beginning of the Bible where God explains to us and shows us and tells us about how he spoke the world. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hopefully quickly run through this with you. But this is Genesis chapter 1, 26-31. And it's, it's God telling us about what happened when he formed man and woman. Okay. So it says this, Then God said, Let us... Now that's, ver- that's, that's a plural for God, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, Trinity. God is three persons in one. That's important to understand here. 
So let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. God created each of you. Okay, maybe let's bring it home, right? God created each of you and me in his own image. You're created in the image of God. Think about that. That probably resonates with your heart. Where evolution doesn't, that just resonated with your heart. Every one of you went, wow, that's cool. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. Subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. By the way, that's God's job, but now he's giving that job to us as those created in the image of God. So to care for our world is important, right? Then God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of the earth. We were all vegetarians at one time. No booze. It got better. Meat, meat showed up. And every tree which has fruit yielding seed, it shall be food for you. Everything. They had everything. Nothing rotted. Nothing fell off of trees and just stunk. It, everything was just perfect. Every beast of the earth and every bird of the sky and everything that moves on the earth which has life, I've given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. He went on to say that it was, it was very good. Understanding that God has made you in his image. You're not God. I'm not God. We're made in the image of God, in the likeness of God. But knowing that fact, trusting and believing that, answers every other question that you have about life, whether science answers it or not. Knowing God has created you in His image. Because that word image means a couple things. Number one, it's this. You are created with personality or personhood. You're able to think and to feel, to communicate, to reason, to make choices, free will. God is a God of relationship. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three persons in one. They are in a relationship. They talk to each other in, in Scripture. Completely unified. All right? You can't separate them. And yet, unified, but different in their roles. If you read through Scripture, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit do different things. God the Son died on the cross for us. God the Holy Spirit didn't. God the Father didn't. God sent God the Son. God, God the Father, God the Son sent God the Holy Spirit. So there's, there's this uh, relationship within God. And so then he says, I'm going to create a special creation. It says in Genesis 2 that he breathed into mankind the breath of life. He didn't breathe the breath of life into any other creation. creation. No other animal has the breath of life because that's a soul. And so he breathes into man a soul. And that soul causes personhood. And that personhood means we can communicate, we can think, we can feel, we can decide, we can make things, we can, we can be like God and make things. He makes it out of nothing. We've got to form some things together, right? But, so number one, he wants, to, he wants to be in relationship with us. That's why God created us, so we would know him, to know him personally. And going with that is, you know somebody best if you walk in their shoes. And so what he says is, I want you to know me, 
and I want you to do some of the things that I do. I, I oversee creation, but I want you to help me oversee creation. I want you to um, be in relationship with other people so you understand what it feels like to have to forgive people like I've forgiven you. How to love people like the way I've loved you. It starts in marriage. Genesis 2 talks about marriage. Starts there, husband and wives. You, you get to, as husband and wife, you say, well, here there's two. No, there's God. There's three. We're unified, husband and wife, same value in God's eyes. Obviously, we're not God. And as we grow in our intimacy with each other, and as we grow in our intimacy with, with God, we grow in our intimacy with each other. And so there's, there's three in this union. And so it starts with our marriages, and then it goes into our, the children that we raise, and then it goes into the relationships that we have. God created us to know Him. God created us to represent Him to each other, to the world around us. And if we have that, just that information, it changes everything else in our lives. It answers every question that we've ever had. So I want to do, as we do our takeaway this morning, because we do a takeaway every week, we kind of say, okay, how does this impact my life? So I want to do that this morning. First of all, it answers the question, where do we come from? If evolution created us, formed us, if we evolved out of evolution, then we're a freak of nature. We're a chance happening. Now, when I hear that, I, my heart and mind just push back on that. I, I don't want to be, one, I don't want to be that. Now, how hopeless is that? Oh, I'm, I'm a mistake? I just happened? It just happened that I'm who I am today? Or creation, we're a special creation of a loving personal God. Now, I don't know about you. That resonates. Now, evolutionists would say, oh, well, that's just, um, that's just what man has done over the billions of years in order to answer questions that it has about where he came from. I don't want to get technical. I hope this makes sense, but if our DNA, if at the very core of who we are, was a happen chance formation of cells that produce what you see today, then that and, and your and your purpose is to to um, is survival of the fit, look out for yourself, you would never question where you came from. It's not it wouldn't be part of the process. Animals don't, right? A dog doesn't sit there and go, hmm. You know, we, right? Words, we would just be an animal. We wouldn't be wondering where we came from. We'd just be operating on survival of the fit. It doesn't make sense. Morality. How should I live? Evolution? You know, however you want, as long as you win. Survival of the fit. Doesn't matter what anybody else. If somebody wants to be a part of your life, as long as they're helping you accomplish what you want, they can be in your life. If they're not, you get rid of them. And if it's real evolution, you kill them. Because they're weakening what you're trying to accomplish. Adolf Hitler was an evolutionist. A lot of people want to say he wasn't. He was. Aryan race. 
That was supposed to be the top of humanity. Let's kill off everybody else. Creation, how do you live? As God directs. Because His way is the best way. He knows what's best. And here's the cool thing. He's a loving God. He'll never do anything to hurt us. And so even if we kind of go like, well, why would I do that? Why would I, let, why would I sacrifice um, my selfish desires for the sake of my wife? Or why is, as a wife, why should, why should I respect my husband and show him love? And that? Why would I want to do that? Because God says so. And he'll never do anything to hurt you. That's the best way to do marriage. Why should I help my kids and train my kids and love my kids and care for my kids and nurture my kids when they're such brats? <laughs> Not my kids. My kids are awesome. I'm just saying. Why should I obey my parents? My parents have no clue what's going on in this world. They can't even operate a phone. Well, it's because God says so and God knows what's best and he'll never hurt us. It's the best way to do life. Purpose. Why am I here? I'll go back. Sherry's got, Sherry's got food in the oven. Why am I... I'm just kidding. Greg's like, no, she does, man. She does. Why am I here? Evolution. To survive, to keep your name going. It's about survival. That's what evolutionists would say. It's about survival. So, why am I here? Literally to survive. And whoever gets in your way, get rid of them. Creation. To know God personally and make Him known to others. That's what this is talking about. Genesis chapter 1. Four. Value. Do I matter? Evolution. Only if you're contributing to the ongoing survival of mankind. Or your kind. That's, that's the only value you have. Creation. Yes. God created you to know Him. And died for you to restore the relationship with you. So do you matter? you have value? Yeah, you definitely do. And then the last one kind of relates. Destiny, where am I going? Evolution, you have no soul, and so you're just going back to the ground. When you die, we throw you in the ground, and eventually your, your body deteriorates, and that's it. And if evolution was the core of who we are, nobody would fear death. Nobody would care. It's just part of the process. Well, why do people care so much about death? Why do people fear it so much? Something else going on there, right? Creation. We actually have a couple choices. Because of sin, we end up, left to ourselves, because of our sin, our desire to be God and do life our way, God calls that sin, we will end up rejecting what God's offer, uh, rejecting His relationship, and then we have to pay for the sin that we've committed. Scripture, sadly, says that that's an eternity in hell. Or, the other option is heaven. Now, the way that happens is this. I don't take responsibility for my sin. Jesus Christ takes, God the Son, Jesus Christ, takes responsibility for my sin. He died on a cross, he went to hell. He died an eternal death for each of us when he died. Only God can do that. Either we pay for our sin or God pays for our sin because he's the only one powerful enough as God to do that. And that's what he did. And so what we do is we realize that, we accept that, we believe it, put our full way of trust on it. And now, Scripture tells us, 
Not only does he adopt us into his family, he places his Holy Spirit in us, who's our guarantee. So when we do die, our body will be here for a time, and then we go to heaven. At one time in the future, God will join our perfected bodies with our soul, who's been with God. Again, I don't know about you, but that resonates in my heart. I'm going to ask the band to, to come up and close us in a song. and We, um, we do the ABCs. I uh, do this a lot. I've done it a lot here in this series especially because it's been very uh, important. This is, this is it, literally. Salvation in ABC form. And I, and I put a prayer again this week in your notes so that if, if you're saying, man, I need that,